And I'm here with your co-host Rachel Atakpah. What's good, friend? Oh, uh, you know, same old, same old. As always. Oh my gosh. Um, what are we talking about today? Oh my gosh. Hold on. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we have segments like what is it? Appetizer, dinner, dessert. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like explaining it today. Just don't care. It's a simple three three tiered outline. Yeah, um, like in which we have an introduction, talk about our topic for today, and then we close with church announcements and et cetera. And et cetera. And et cetera. I love yeah. it. Um. So, <coughs> new month, new question. Mm-hmm. So, Rachel. Happy March. Yeah, happy March, which is International Women's Month. It surely is. So, who's your favorite radical woman, and why? Um. Yeah. This is a lovely question. I don't know if I can choose one Which off the top fair. of my head. I think of um, like Ida B. Wells, uh-huh. um, Audre Lorde, Angela Davis, and Wingari Mathai, who is not in an American context usually, but um, she started this really amazing environmental justice campaign in Kenya okay, where cool. they planted trees um, to get or to help with. Um, I don't know how to say desertification um, when like the soils, the top soils are being taken away by the winds and because there's not enough um, mm-hmm. vegetation to keep it rooted down. Anyway, yeah. So those are just the ones, the people who I think off the top of my head. Um, I've been thinking a lot about Ida B. Wells lately just yeah. because, you know, it, it it's relevant often, <laughs> lynching. I, Ida B. Um, Wells is relevant yeah. 110% of the time. Yeah, so um, there are many other. Asada Shakur, oh, yes. Lord, yes, love her as well. So, yeah, um, Elaine Brown, a lot of those kind of 70s, mm-hmm. 80s women, and then, you know, our, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I also cannot choose one. <laughs> um, but in a context, at least for me, my answer is the women who have had to keep living after like something has happened Mm -hmm. in general Mm -hmm. i just feel like that's a radical woman in itself yeah like any trauma that they have had to experience like just living and moving past that and being strong in a way that like is not cradled for because like a lot of women of color specifically Mm -hmm. when something bad happens it's like oh i have to feed the village i have to fix the community i have to do all these things and so like specifically women of color who have to keep moving after the world literally has stopped i i co-sign that that's just yeah uh, that's where i'm at today yeah at least today it's radical to keep living it's radical to keep living, which is literally oh, oh my God, that's what so we're relevant. talking about. Wow. Oh my gosh. How does that wow. work? Wow. I am You're so, so good, good at transitions. You're so good at this. Oh uh, my God. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so for our appetizer, we're wrapping up the last podcast episode, which like the last podcast episode was like queer as a politic, but mm-hmm. at one point- We touched on a lot of stuff. We, we touched yeah. on so many things, but Rachel said yes to queer, uh-huh. and that's what I'm just gonna call the rest of my life is yes to queer. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. Yes to queer. Yes and to we're queer. talking more about mental health this semester, or not this semester, oh wow, um, <laughs> this episode as well. So that's kind of the new- um, intersection that we're bringing into the yes to queer. Mm. So like yes to mental illness and yes to being mentally well I'm as mentally much as well. you can um, in our context. So right. yeah, yeah. Which like, oh my gosh, wait. I have this book mm-hmm. that my friend Sonia got me. It's like, um, hold on, I'm going to pull it out of my backpack. So if y'all hear rustling, like this is who I am. And like, I just don't care today. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so happy I have this. Yeah, just like, a little interlude. We're getting a bag. You know us scholars, us readers and writers. We, oh my God, I've seen this. Rest it for is resistance. Rest for resistance. Yes. yes, it's by QT Pac, Mental Health. And so it's literally what we're what talking we about need, today. What we're talking about today. Oh my today. gosh, this is so good. So I think I'm just going to talk about one of the things that I've read because I read all of them and highlighted them. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give it to you oh, okay. at the end of this like, yeah. so you can yeah, read it so and I can, highlight yeah, things. Process. I would love that. Oh, my God. It's so good. But um, there's this piece called We Are Not Machines, mm-hmm. and it talks about um, this. I think it's a queer woman of color's experience of doing pottery and mm-hmm. how she was making this beautiful vase or whatever in like or a jar and she had to put a make a top for it mm-hmm. and the like potterer was like okay just make the top 
And she was like, no, like, wait, there's no instructions. Mm-hmm. Why is there no instructions? Mm-hmm. And so the the person, whoever was like running the class, literally said, we're not machines, we're human. It's okay if it's not perfect. Talking about this jar. Wow, what a response. That's not what I was expecting. No, they just were like, this is oh, it. Oh, wow. Like you, and if you mess up, you can do it again. That like, is completely outside of any like framework that we have for production or art or right. anything at all. Um, well, I'm thinking of like how I would have reacted if somebody. Had I would have started to me. crying. Yeah, I would have been like upset because I'd be like, "Please, please show me," because that's such like being perfect and producing perfectly the first time is something that's right. so ingrained in our yeah. In and our even operation. like. She goes on further to talk about like us being cogs in a machine and mm-hmm. us being like pieces to this pu- giant puzzle that we didn't even want to make in the first place, mm-hmm. which I find like fascinating because it's where I'm at most of the time. Like I all like That's right now. That's a great way to conceptualize it. Yeah, like, it's yeah, ugh, it's just like ugh. so mm-hmm. like me applying for jobs. I get so frustrated because I'm like. I'm just going to be part of the capitalistic regime and I'm just going to be sitting here mad because I'm not going to be able to be as creative Mm -hmm. or be as free because I'm part of this machine, Uh right? So I read this piece and then I was like thinking about my other friend Anne and their work around like androids and like um, trans identities and things like Mm -hmm. that. How like literally as human beings on this earth right now, we're not actually humans. We're all humanoids. Mm -hmm. We're all these people who have to interact as machines do, Mm -hmm. but we are supposed to keep our humanity some way. Mm -hmm. And how like that gets more complex, the more black or the more queer or the more mentally ill you are. And how even with this machine dialogue, like how we can even work within those intersections at all. Because if we're so constantly just trying to like survive and live, like, and just live as an existence and how that's trauma for us. Mm -hmm. Like what happens when we get the freedom to not have to deal with that trauma anymore? How, how do we gain our humanity back in this humanoid body that we have when we're mostly just a machine? Okay. So I'm thinking about four things. One, I'm thinking about cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I'm thinking about WB Du Bois's double consciousness. Excuse me. And then um, I'm thinking about, um, we were talking about transhumanism and stuff like that. So like digital space. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking about um, like this, this afrofuturist concept of like imagination and creativity being so um, essential in our construction of futures. And like, how do we access that when we are, um, you know, humanoids um, right. as we're the, the term, term we're using. Um, so when we're talking about like to go back down <laughs> the list, cognitive dissonance, like being complicit in all these systems of violence, like, that constant wearing on your psyche of like I'm being complicit in systems that cause harm to not only me but to others um, like me and then others the other the, uh, mm-hmm. people who are not like me um, that's that's a lot to carry with you all the time especially when you're hyper aware of that um, and that goes along with the double consciousness right, right. so um, not only do we have to perform differently in different spaces for safety and for, um, yeah, mostly for safety, um, it's hard to navigate kind of all the compartmentalization that you have to do in order to um, not only keep in check the cognitive dissonance, but also to perform to the level um, that everybody wants and needs you to because you are a machine. Mm -hmm. And the ways that we've been adapted to machines not only has to do with capitalism and the commodification of of our labor, but also in our our digital space, right? So think about like Snapchat and how you literally have an Android on a map, like a physical version of you on a map at all times for anyone to access. Or like think about like Instagram and like Finstagram culture and all of the different Mm -hmm. ways that we like um, cultivate hyper intimacy, but like are alienated from one another and um, just things like that. And then the ways in which um, the internet has... um, enabled um, a lot more appropriation of culture and violence against people. And so all of these things compounded make it really hard to navigate um, who we are, um, understand what's connected, because we're talking about mental illness, right? right? So like, am I... Um, I'm mentally ill in and of myself, right? But then how are these things, how are these symptoms, how are these um, 
negative experiences that I'm having due to my mental illness being exacerbated by the fact that I'm existing while black and queer and a woman and a femme and right. like all of these different things at the same time as well. So then you're like, who even am I? You know, am I a product of, I mean, like, uh-huh. is it getting worse because of this or yeah. what? Yeah. That's like so powerful <clears throat> to think about how having that, like having mental illness and also living as all these other identities gets you to a point where you're like, who the hell am I? Right. Why? Yeah. Like, what am I doing here? I feel like I sit in that space often mm-hmm. where I'm just kind of like, I don't think I should be doing anything that I'm doing right now because I don't actually know who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, would I even want to be doing this if I was living right. in a world that like didn't have the problems that it did? Right. No, I wouldn't want to be right. a social worker. I wouldn't want to be supporting other people who look like me and who do not look like me. But that caring and that compassion, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. I just well, know it's I'm the a fragmented machine. identity, and yeah. like, I don't know. It's hard to like. It's well when you're thinking like theoretically about how um, there's the center, the dominant culture, you know, mm-hmm. white cis heteropatriarchy, like all of these different things, and then everything else is the other, and the other is only defined in relation to um, the dominant identities. And yeah. so when you're only defined in relation, you are not actually anything because you cannot stand alone. You're only, you only exist in relation, um, and a subordinate relation. So like right. having identity, um, like an ego, perhaps, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a, like a true like understanding of Let's consciousness and self. Yeah. <laughs> um, fuck Freud. But, um, yeah, but like, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, who even are we? Mm-hmm. Um, let's not have an existential <laughs> Wait, crumbling. Right. But, like, but even like yeah. thinking about now we're clearly <laughs> just went into a classroom. So like looking, thinking about the looking glass self, mm-hmm. how like I am what I believe you see me to be. And that's how I'm going to respond and act towards you. Mm-hmm. When I'm alone, there's nobody else seeing me. So who re- like, and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, who really am I? And then you can't even validate yourself right. because you in and of yourself do not matter in relation, like as dictated by societal structures. Um, right. So is there even enough there um, after having worn through the destruction of your psyche as a result of oppressive systems to then validate and pull yourself up out of? So basically, (laughs) the reason why black queer people are like mentally ill is because we don't know who the fuck we are because we're not allowed to be anything outside of oppressed. And that's why it's so radical that we do the things we do. Right. Like why I'm still happy, why I still love poetry, while I still love dancing and like mm-hmm. doing all these different things because like those things are real and um, tangible and communal acts and you know all so on and so forth. Um, so that's why those things are radical because people are like, why is it radical that you like you know, fucking eight exist. A bre- like ate like, breakfast this morning, right? Because um, girl, I ate breakfast because, this morning. Like, yeah, I meant re- like it's it's difficult. Um, mm. in so many different ways. So many different ways. Um, <laughs> whether it's difficult to put food on the table or whether it's difficult because of like mental illness, got a bit like mm-hmm. any way you look at it. Um, existing is hard work, and that's why persevering and doing and tr- still trying to be um authentic and in that non-normative and then non-normative in that you're trying to operate outside of systems like balancing that adds another um weight to it Mm -hmm. but yeah that's real okay so to wrap this on up Mm -hmm. which will we wrap it up now because this is an ongoing conversation obviously but my question is as a complex being who does not get to be complex due to the way society views us is there hope for us not to be mad and mad being defined in whatever way we feel like defining it. Um, wow. As we're starting to like dip into mental illness, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of madness as in like quote craziness. Right. Um, and then I'm also thinking of like Solange's mad, you know, right. fictional that's way. Such a good I love song. that song. Um, and I'm, then I'm thinking, yeah. I'm just thinking <laughs> the fact that this is the table podcast. I know, and, and I keep this, making Solange. Keep, yeah, make, I mean, just, like, I want to make that it. clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I'm thinking about like the angry black woman trope mm-hmm. and like all of these different things. Um, and then something that I've been struggling with is like we need to learn how to dr- address anger in our communities. Yes. Um, no matter what communities they are, 
to whatever level, however they're manifesting, nobody is dealing with anger Mm -mm. and it's causing a lot of violence and exclusion and stagnation. And we're not, I don't think we're having the conversation that we need to have about anger, whether it be um, interpersonal or as a result of systems or what what have you. Because it's Um, not the, I think especially thinking about anger in the way that like therapy talks about anger, mm -hmm. when you get mad, and you go off about it a lot of the time, especially like privileged folks, whenever mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, your anger is so justified. Somebody telling me my anger is justified is not validating my anger. No. And telling me that like you're so valid in feeling that way. Yeah, but what are we going to do in this moment to shift to that? Mm-hmm. Who, yeah. How are we going to do that? I know I have a right to be mad. That's why I'm mad. Right. Like, I, because that's it also is weird because it's like saying that like, um, oh, like yes you black person do in fact know when it's okay to be angry like and i'm gonna tell you that so it's a very weird like dynamic like, like, get like my face. your anger is that like yes i know it's valid um that's and, why i'm angry <laughs> yeah. and that's why i'm angry yeah gotta move forward yeah. um yeah but even like thinking about it in like madness is craziness or this idea of like i know a lot of black and brown bodies who do things to escape and Mm -hmm. it causes them to get to that point of craziness Mm -hmm. due to like drug consumption or doing something that like physically like disables them Mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives. Like, and I don't know what it is about that thrill or that like feeling of finally taking control back of your life that like, cause I mean, I do a shit, but um, (laughs) that, that finally feeling human in things that are so destructive Mm -hmm. and that's the only way you can find your humanity makes us look like we're crazy. Yeah. But also at the same time, I don't get often I don't get the option to be authentic. Mm-hmm. I don't get the option to be loved like just because I don't get the option to feel joy just because mm-hmm. I have to find have it to and seek it. it and mm-hmm. make it. And so, yeah, I look crazy <laughs> yeah. like because I'm doing things that you don't have to do. Right. And if that looks like me creating a podcast or me like running down the street, like doing cartwheels and like screaming about it without getting shot by a police officer. Right. Sure. And when you have to create your space to feel human or feel safe or feel joy or what have you, um, it's going to look quote crazy because it's operating outside of the norm like you're literally pushing up against space and pushing up against conventions to cultivate a liminal abstract space in which you can be human which that in of itself is also something that's abstract and unheard of and not normative and not okay Mm. um so yeah it's gonna look not how you want it to not how dominant culture wants it to look and then we get vilified for that exactly i'm also thinking about how anger um influences politics right in just in um like reactionary and identity politics and how not dealing with that anger um perpetuates systems um because i'm thinking okay just let's use a black panther example right um so we're talking (laughs) about killmonger yeah he, I, I know where Killmonger, I get, I get it. We all I, get it. Yeah, <laughs> I've been where Killmonger has been. Yeah. Um, but he's replicating um, Western capitalist heteropatriarchy mm-hmm. in his politics. I'm, I'm not saying that he's wrong in feeling angry, and I'm not saying he's wrong in even reacting like that and wanting those things. But what is wrong is that when he's not interrogating the anger that he's feeling and where it's coming from and how he arrived at that point, um, he's just going to flip the script, as they say, right. um, and impose different, you know, higher hierarchies and oppressive mm-hmm. systems. Um, this is all theoretical, of course, right. you know, so like there's more nuance to it. But um, when we're responding react with reactionary politics and identity politics, we're not cultivating something new, a true, um, dare I say, vacuum that okay. like we're creating, you know, when we're expressing joy and creating space mm-hmm. to feel joy and safety um, and community. Um, so that's that's my example for like how not interrogating our anger um, sometimes inhibits our politics. Right. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest pushbacks <laughs> I've have with like national, like r- anti-racism, anti-oppression organizations is because I'm thinking like human rights campaign, um, ACLU, mm-hmm. like those big wig names, things that do civil rights work. Mm-hmm. 
those folks are just part of the same system that we've been part of the whole entire time and think that playing into it is the way that's going to save us all. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if we know that the system was not built for us and not built for us to thrive in, why would we want to stay in this system knowing that it's never going to get to where we're going to be good? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's a living document, supposedly, whatever. What's it called? The Constitution. Yeah, that one. It's a living document. (laughs) What is that? What is it? I don't know that girl. (laughs) 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 But, um... It's supposed to be this living document and it's supposed to have all of us in mind because we can change things and based. But like how how can it be a living? I, I don't know. This is I a just, wordplay thing. But how can it be a living document when it's like built upon death? You know, like think about uh, that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, but we're not going <laughs> to talk about politics because that's not even the space that we're right, ever going to be no, in. no, no. So why even talk about it? Whew. Okay, so we're going to take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about more mental illness and blackness and queerness and madness. All right. Love it, B. And we're back. So we are talking about mental illness today um, at intersections. Yes. Which, like, the I really like what I was going to say. So, what am I trying to say? Hold on. Okay. So, <laughs> I really like the name of the segment that I made about why you mad. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's funny. But also, it talks about a lot of things that go on in our lives. Simply as being, like, an intersected, complex human being who has all of these things going on. Mm-hmm. And we never get to talk about these things. So, why are you mad? In the way that we're defining mad, which we don't know yet. We don't know. I was just thinking about, since we're talking about mental illness specifically, Mm -hmm. or mental health, they're kind of the same term. I'll use them interchangeably, but we're meaning, you know, in the mind. Um, Invisible disabilities. disabilities. Um, I'm just thinking about what access and exposure um, queer people of color, specifically queer black people, get um, to those kinds of services or mm-hmm. contexts. Um, and because we were talking about like fractured identity, if you will. Right. Um, so like when because I'm thinking, too, about like how I've like arrived at my identities and mm-hmm. like the thing or the kind of order in which I've unpacked things and like where mental illness has fallen on that um, or how it's influenced other things. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's real. I mean, like, we could go down that path. We can do the journey to get there. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about how my mental illness um, started when I was about, like, 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. I had, like, traumatic things happen. Oh, my God. Right. It's I feel oh like I feel like that's like the peak time frame yeah. when like traumatic things happen to yeah. like black and brown bodies. Right. Anyway, not the point. When you're a kid. When you're a child. Yeah. Not when you're a teen or anything. No, we no. get hit in the face at the great right. age of eight. Those and, double like, digits and you're done. <laughs> yeah. It's in over. Like, yeah. Sorry, you're not a like you You're not a human being. Well, you weren't before. You weren't before. But, but now, now you you're know. Really not now you one. know you're not real, yeah. No, because I'm thinking <laughs> about um I was just talking to somebody about this, but like um, Erickson's stage of living or whatever the hell. Yeah, I think it's Erickson. It's somebody. Mm-hmm. It's one of them white guys. Um, <laughs> it's one of the white guys who understands all psychology or something like mm-hmm. that. But like how that, like nobody talks about it culturally and how like black and brown kids have to grow up faster, literally in those stages of living mm-hmm. because of our color of our skin and the type of like experiences we have to go through. So I think I, f- I knew I was black when I was six because I had a problem in school mm-hmm. and um, I got in trouble. I got more of a harsh punish- punishment than everybody else. But like this guy was saying like, yeah, it's because he's black. He's acting like this. It's because he's black. He's acting like this. And I went home and I was crying. I was bawling. Mm-hmm. I was such a good kid. Um, manipulative, but good. Mm-hmm. And I got home. A and kid. Again, yeah. manipulative, but good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I got home and um, my mom, I was like looking at my mom and I was like, and I was like holding all the brown crayons in my like crayon box. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mom, mom, this guy called me black at school, but I don't look like a black crayon. I look like all of these brown crayons. Mm-hmm. 
and she like broke down in tears because it was like that was the oh first time God. that I had yeah. to engage with my like blackness because I had been in like mostly black spaces and nobody really talked to me about it. Mm-hmm. And so once I moved to great old Oklahoma, like we had to start talking about it because I went to a PWI all of a sudden and shit right. was real. Like shit was real. So after that, it became this like constant um checks checks and balances of like who I was as a person mm-hmm. my mom would tell me like you have to walk like this you have to talk like this like make sure you're reading about these things like understand you have to be better than everybody else in your mm-hmm. class because mm-hmm. even when you are the best you're not going to be seen as the best and that's just where you're going to be at and so I subscribed to all of these like code switching ways to the point that I didn't even know who I was mm-hmm. until the traumatic thing at the great age of 10 happened and then I was like well like I can't do anything or fix the world. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I'm still thinking about this shit at the great age of 23 mm-hmm. means that none of it's gotten better. Yeah. But like, Damn. but like, yeah. I was so upset because it was like, as much as I do, I can try and please every single person in this room. There is no possible way that they're going to like me enough to see me as a person. Mm-hmm. And so I started trying to kill myself and I had suicidal ideations mm-hmm. because I knew that like, trying to live in this prison Mm -hmm. of code switching was going to be the death of me. Mm -hmm. And like, I understood that at the great age of 11, had a therapist sit there and tell me like, I don't have any other choice but to live to like be spiteful towards these people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm just not angry enough to stay alive. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I'm sometimes not angry enough to stay alive. That's a, yeah. It's just, uh, wow, I'm really doing this on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a really weird life trajectory but in Vegas terms, um, my, I mean, you, you come out of the womb, you know, right. you're treated differently. Um, but the my first and the majority of my, like, experiences with racism between, like, th- the ages of three and six, um, they all had to do with, like, my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was one experience with the police in which my body was being policed. Um, we got pulled over mm-hmm. um, like because my I had my seatbelt on I was like still in a car seat or something I was I was like between the ages of three and six yeah um, I think it was like four or so but um and like the top of my head was sticking out the window it was just it's a nice day and they pulled us over and like immediately like started yelling at me um because they thought I didn't have my seatbelt on when it was visibly it was just you know one of those encounters right. and then um in ballet um when I was in it for like a year or so you know being pushed out of another space you know yet again especially something that's so like white and uh all the body politics with ballet and then in school too just making fun of my skin and my hair um always my hair um so it all had to do with my body and um my mental illness is like I want to say quote separate like it stands it would be there whether or not I was black or so on and so forth right and I don't think that people really get that um, because so much of it is exacerbated or influenced by my intersections but like it would exist in and of itself Um, but the fact that um, like talking about influences a lot of the racism sexism all et cetera et cetera that I experience is uh, directed at my physical body that's where a lot of my like problems come up um mm-hmm. or are manifested in um my mental illness as well um and I just think that's interesting how um it's hard to differentiate between um, what is and what is as a result of you right. know what I'm saying yeah but I'm I'm still thinking about what you said sometimes I'm not even angry enough to be alive because I remember when I became woke um, <laughs> not not just aware of my identities but like aware that there was like a reason like there's there was a, reason. A, the whole, a whole power system right. functioning and I just that it was just anger right um, and that was like kind of how I reacted um, for a long, I, I, you know, you deal with it, but like you have to unpack your anger, right? Like, like we were talking, we were talking about, about, right? Like, yeah. Um, and that's why I say there's like stages of like you're like I hate wokeness because it's been appropriated now. If you use woke, <laughs> you're like problematic, but just like your cognizance of what's going on, and you right. begin with anger and reactionary politics and identity politics. That's where you're you like, have to start. Yeah, that's, that's where you have to start, start because you're like, damn we really out here you right. know um and then and then you you evolve but um yeah and how that anger cuz i'm just thinking about how um black disabled bodies are even more at risk from yeah. especially thinking about police and the carceral system um it's a horror and then it's even talking about the way that like mental yeah. illness is used against black and brown Weaponized. bodies oh my god like I remember when I was younger, um, 
everybody just said I had ADD. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Isaac's just not capable of focusing. Produced all the work that I needed to produce to be the machine that I was. Right, right. But like, once I was done, oh, my ass was out. Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, either I'm asleep, either I am like doing something else. I wrote elaborate stories when I was younger mm-hmm. after I finished my homework. Mm-hmm. And my teachers were like, you can't do that. And like, also policing like creativity of black right. bodies, but like, right. not the point. Um, so I went to the doctor and they were like, oh, your son has psychosis. Psychosis? Oh my God. The fuck? <laughs> like, I was fine. It was like, well, he's writing all right. these stories and all these things down. He's, he's clearly bored. trying to communicate with all of bored. these other people. I was yeah. bored. Yeah. I didn't want to do anything I've been else. there too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just, I, I think I literally hear this narrative from so many other black and brown kids who are like right at like that yeah. academy at this moment mm-hmm. where they're just like, yeah, there was this one point in my life where I was like in school and then somebody said I couldn't be what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And that was when I had to like start policing myself and I became so cognizant of like everything I did. So if I finished homework or work or I was just sitting there, oh I would God. read a book. I'd, I'd pull no, out a book. I n- literally, this is a sa- like, yes, I know. I hate that we all have the same narrative. Right. Like, <sighs> it's boring. Like, it's why? It's boring. You guys aren't talking God. about people who look like me. You're not talking about <laughs> things I care about. Yeah. Like, literally, when I was in undergrad, all of my papers were about black women because it was not present anywhere else. Yeah. And, like, it's so frustrating. I'm also thinking this is like kind of a jump in some ways. I won't walk you through my whole thought process, but I'm in <laughs> I'm in a multicultural children's literature class right okay. now. Um, mostly a white class. There's two people of color, you know, be that as it may. Um, but a lot of times we arrive at a discussion of, you know, what should we be telling kids and what should be sugarcoated or what shouldn't. And these conversations make me so angry because they're talking about white children. They're talking about what should we shelter white children from? What should we sugarcoat for white children? What can white children handle? Because um, the things that are depicted that are, or the, the themes that they're talking about, whether it be death or um, violence or um, displacement, what have you, um, we all know, like, colored children been new. Been new. They, been they... new for a long, long time. Um, and so it's offensive that you would even suggest, I mean, suggest I don't know. Suggest sugarcoating anything to the point that, like, you're silencing people's stories. You're taking the representation right. out of, like, yeah, sure, there's a little black body in the book. Mm-hmm. But that black body talking about white things and things that you can't relate to means that it's a black body that you have to switch into. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they give you a shell that all of a sudden you oh, have wow. to, like, subscribe to. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, I'm thinking of Ghost and Shell, and I'm thinking about the problematics of the, like, last Ghost and Shell movie. But that's not the point. I'm going to get over it one day. I won't. <laughs> I genuinely will not. But... That that idea of like finding out at some point. I think this is where going back to like the woke, woke whatever. Air quotes, fuck, yeah. Air quotes of woke. We'll find a different word soon. We day. promise. But like, um, when you open <laughs> up and you finally see the world in the way that you're supposed to, it's you like unraveling that shell and actually coming into your own space. Then realizing that also isn't the answer. Like mm-hmm. you get to finally be yourself. But also, like, there's and that's more. also like, there's still more. That's also like a queer kind of narrative of yes. like coming out and yes. then being like, oh my gosh, I'm free to be me. And it's like, except, shit's still fucking yeah, hard. Like, except like, I can't. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's almost like I'm thinking now I'm at Dear White People. Mm-hmm. But like the archetypes of blackness that they show in that film right. and show is fascinating because it's like i remember being a reggie right i remember being a um troy i remember should i remember being a coco like Uh i remember being like i can only be white if i act like the white people they'll love me Mm -hmm. and here i am damn just figuring it out yes but like the way we're talking about these things and the fact that we both went through it i know it's like i don't even need to say like we i have different details but like it's the same it's the same thing and the thing is like how can you not expect us to have a mental like have any mental health problems Mm -hmm. when we're like literally combating this like we have to come into our own skin in a very specific way that Mm -hmm. like yeah white White people do not because they're (sighs) you know we talk about this last episode and all the time they're exploiting my labor to learn like i had to read and listen and talk and like sit with myself to like know all these things like Mm -hmm. i've always had these experiences but i haven't always 
been at this level um and like talking about like what do we expose white children to that's why because they've been babied um and i don't i don't want to say that because like they've nobody, been catered nobody to. Sh- like if there wasn't a problem to begin with if there wasn't all of these isms and structures then you know then we could baby the children um uh, but to i don't know to because i'm just thinking about like tamir rice 12 years old and you want to tell me that your white child can't read a story about immigration because like it shows the like I don't want to don't say that to me you know because I didn't get the opportunity to be babied right I was an adult by the time I hit 10 Mm -hmm. and and it's hard to get because I think it's actually easy to have that conversation with black and brown people Mm -hmm. because there is multiple black people who are like, I am terrified of raising a child at this time because of the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the baby that's going to come out is going to look like, but I'm terrified because of the color of my skin. And Mm -hmm. I know what I had to go through and I know what they're going to be faced against because this is a system that is going to hurt them. And when you add the intersection of queerness, A, (laughs) how do you have a child? B, like not only am I black, mm-hmm. but then like I'm also the queer parent, you know? Like that's another thing for my child to my deal mom with. Mom forced me well not forced me, but she only taught me how to present myself straight mm-hmm. because of the fact that she knew that if I entered the world the way the way I was at, mm-hmm. I would have died. I would have died a lot sooner than I'm probably going to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But even now, yeah. like it's liberating and it's so nice to be free and flowing in me. But at, I don't know how to tell <laughs> people cost? like it's my life. That's the cost. The yeah. cost is my life. I'm I'm and I'm not always angry enough to stay alive. And I'm going to keep revisiting that because it is it's a truth for a That's lot of people. That's just something to sit. Yeah. Like that is a lot to that we experience and a lot to hold. Because like you vocalize like putting words to that. Like, right. Damn. Because I know it, I know it's a common feeling from everyone. But I feel like the rate that it hits people is different. And like, I know that I am like very self-deprecating and I hurt myself a lot in ways that like me yesterday, drinking all day long, knowing good and well I had things to do and I had stuff that I need to go on. But I'm in a world that doesn't love me and therefore I'm going to try and make it love me by being in a state that's going to make me pretend like it's not actually hating me. Do I need to be here? Like, yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yes, that's exactly. I'm yeah. going to get high every single day because that makes me feel like this world doesn't hate me. Or like, yeah, maybe I can be white for a day if I'm fucked up. Like. I, and that's because we don't get to, why, how are we coping? I feel like we're like this, where we're at, like these conversations, everyone, we're at another stage. Like, we're going to look back on this and be like, damn y'all. Like. I'm sorry that you were feeling like this, but it will get better. Because, like, I'm thinking about, like, how I felt in my reactionary bit, you know? And, like, how I always thought that I would be like that and, Mm -hmm. like, stuff like that. So I feel like this is just one of those other, like, what the hell stages. But what's that next stage look like? I don't know. And that's why I'm trying to hold so tightly to this, like, like, queer, imaginative, hopeful, Mm future-oriented politic because I can be like, well, damn, like, I'm just going to imagine a better world for me. And in this world, like, I get to, like, you know, get home by 5 p.m. and cook myself dinner and then go to bed. Like, I get to be normal. And so I try to embody that. But I don't don't really know what it's going to look like. But, like, let's listen to this in, like, 10 years. And And you know what? We're going to be there. Yeah. And we'll be like, and then we'll say, like, this is another stage because I feel like it's just a constant cyclical. So we're literally creating the stages of life for black, queer, mentally ill human beings. And we're just out here. Yeah. Because we're like showing our asses, right? Right. But like, it's all truth, you know? (laughs) None of it's a lie. Yeah. It's all truth. And these are like, they're all, you know, justified as they love to say yeah and so we have context i'm just thinking about like what do we get to be next if we can like weather this and like because even using that term weathering it it's not gonna fade away no you know it's because like i still have those like angers that keep me alive and things like that so what of this stage is going to stay with me is what i'm thinking and what i'm trying to get at here you know what i'm saying thinking back on when you were (laughs) extremely radical right i like i love extremely radical and quote were you know yeah yeah. what does that mean what does that mean and what what does it look now because i'm thinking about you, literally, y'all, if you go and ask Javon, like, how I was when I was in undergrad, it's, I'm a completely different person. Like, my best friend Sarah said, once Isaac moved to um, 
K- KU, it was like the like calm, like the calm, like the mm-hmm. storm actually finally left mm-hmm. because I'm not as mad as I used to be. And I used to be mad all the time to the point that I was so debilitated in my bed, not from like depression, but literally from anger. Physical. I wouldn't leave my house because I'd be like, if I have to engage with a white person today, I'm going to kill them. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I'm going to murder them right now because it's, yeah. it got to that point for mm-hmm. me because I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. People were getting shot by police officers. Mm-hmm. Like I had to do, um, what is it? so many people die and like I can't even keep the names together like I had to do vigils um, I had to do marches I had to do all these things because I was on the ground doing the work and I was also in school and I also was having problems in school people forget that all the stuff that we've done you do it's all coexisting at the same time like you're doing all these other things trying to make yourself into this person who's supposed to live as this humanoid where I'm trying to keep my humanity by fighting for what's right and I'm also trying to like continue being a machine and like a cog in the machine Mm -hmm. but at the same time I don't want to do either I don't want to do any of it and I think that was my great calming was like I don't want to do either of these Mm -hmm. things but I have to how am I going to make a balance enough for me to be able to do all of it now I'm at this point of like I don't have that balance I feel like the answer is the balance. We are, this literally is another stage that we're at in the process. Wow, drop that one down, everybody. We're, yeah, we're we're working through things. We're yeah, li- this is this <laughs> yeah. is what I want this yeah. podcast for. Yeah, we're here. God, and then okay, so we mentioned like heart things last mm-hmm. last episode, and um, I don't know because you're talking about we're talking about anger and right. like the physical repercussions of that and. Hell yeah. yeah, like that weighs on you physically. And Literally. like I'm thinking about I always this is something weird that I always bring up, but like how I walk, um it it changes depending on what spaces I'm in. Right. Um and not even just like how I do it, but like how the new like this the particularities of like how tense I feel or like how short or long my strides are. All these different things are like for safety. I literally because you literally get harassed all the time. So your body is You're constantly anticipating being physically or verbally harassed or assaulted. And that like wears you down. Right. You know, when you're constantly walking around. Um, anxious for good reason because it happens often enough that that's why I walk around like that. You know what right. I'm saying? Like it's not without reason. I can't remember the like <clears throat> the um, the system inside of your body that um, gets turned on whenever you get um, when you panic or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like I don't know the name. Either, I don't remember I the name of it. Like but fight like, or flight responses. Yeah. yeah. And so I was talking to somebody um, and we were talking about it in like a domestic violence, sexual violence term. Like, but after it happens, how like the human body literally is like that all the time. Mm -hmm. And now when you were saying that, literally that's black and brown bodies, that's queer bodies, that's marginalized individuals just existing. We're constantly in this like mode of like, I'm gonna die today. I'm tense because I don't know if I'm going to live or not. I literally tell my friends, like, if you see me on campus and, like, you wave and I don't see you, it's not because I'm ignoring you. It's because I literally cannot see you because I'm focused on literally getting to the next place safely. Um, Or I'm trying to block out noise, literally, so I don't have to hear if somebody says something to me. I'm... I, can, I literally cannot see you because I am so focused on getting to the next place safely. Right. That's why I always look like I'm glaring. That's why I always look angry. That's why I always look rigid because I'm... Everybody I'm, thought I was protection. an angry person. Right, exactly. Because I'm just trying to make sure that if you see me and you you don't know me... You are not, gonna you're not me. going exactly. to approach me. Exactly, exactly. And like everybody's like, oh my God, you have like a resting bitch face. That's why everybody thinks like angry black man, angry black woman. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because that's a safety mechanism that we've had to build for like generations mm-hmm. to make sure that we don't actually get fucked with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even with that, we still get fucked with. Right. And it's exhausting right. because I'm not like if I would just walked around and smiled to everybody, which like. My, I have these little cards. They're called affirmators. Affirmators? And I got them from my friend Kate. And my card today was friendliness. And they were like, if you smile at somebody today, that could be the only smile they received that day. And I was like, I'm not smiling. Like, I literally was just like, well, no. Because I have to think, like, what if I smile at a white supremacist? And they walk up and they feel like there's an invitation to have <laughs> yeah. a conversation with you. To- because they do. This is how, ha- like, people really <sighs> think, white people think that if you, like, I don't know. They just have immediate access to you if you like look at them and make eye contact. With I them. literally look down because they when think I walk. they fucking own us. Like if Be- you look at me, like I'm gonna come on up, you know, take whatever I need from you and I be on my it. way. Yeah. I hate it, especially. Let's even. Let's just take it there. Let's just okay. go there today. I'm here as a queer black like 
masculine presenting person, but femme, mm-hmm. I hate gay clubs. Mm. I hate them so much because mm-hmm. white bodies think that they can literally touch me mm-hmm. because of this, like literally my melanin. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to explain <laughs> that to people because I also like, do not care. Like some, like I'm so fucked up because I'm trying to like live right. my only free <laughs> right, life. Right, going back so to I'm coping. Like, I'm trying to cope. <laughs> yeah. Like the things happen. I'm like, yeah, like this As is you're coping, time. the things that you're trying to cope with are, are really actually happening to me. Yeah, because yeah. it's you're never outside of the system right. itself. Oh right. my god, that like fucks me up just now. <laughs> yeah. Like thinking about that. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm never aware. Like even when I am trying to be free, like there's no such thing as freedom because liberation isn't there. I'm fucking over it. Oh, my God. But to finish that, like, finish this thought, like, gay white men constantly are just like, oh, my gosh, you can do this. Like, twerk that ass. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love this so much. This is such a great time. Like, I love you. Oh, my gosh. Can you be my black friend? I, like, love it so much. That's so funny because usually it's the gay friend. But now you get to be. But I have to be the black friend for the gays. Yeah. And then I could be the GBF for somebody. Yeah. Damn. (sighs) I just. Because. Yeah. And then on top of that, Mm -hmm. being like, well, shit. If I actually react the way I want to, I will have no one except black, queer, like, people around me. And they're so far and few in between. Yeah, and it's not I'll that, because no I'm like, one. well, why, what, but, but the answer is, is that there's, like, three of us, right? Right, like, and we already so know like, each other, yeah, and we're, we're already, already friends. friends. So, like, <sighs> um, yeah, because think about how alienating it is. But I don't, I don't go to white gay clubs usually, Which so I don't fair. have that. But I'm just thinking about like parties in general, um, or white women, um, and how every single time I'm at a party, somebody has to come up to me and start talking about race, and I'm, I don't want to talk to you about racism. I don't want your apology either. Like, like it's fine. Like, just let me be for like five minutes. Um, and that goes back to the mental health thing mm-hmm. because I'm never able to actually turn the shit off because y'all won't let me. This is the nightlife. This is my weekend. This is the free time. This is the time where I'm not catering and educated. Like, give me literally. It's all. It's ten to two. 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Friday and Saturday, either Just, or, or and. You, so And, like, that's all I'm asking for. That's all I want. Yeah. And then white women, their hands are always on me. I, I don't even be knowing it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, be look and they're just, like, there. And they love to hover and put, you know. Do, yeah. The list. The um, list of microaggressions that white women And sometimes I'll see white women, regular. like, touch other, like, women of color. And it will happen in slow motion. And I'm, like... And that's when the anger comes up because it's like, wow, like it really isn't just me. Like it's not just a, yeah. I think it's really normal to get angry, especially about somebody else who is us. Because it's easier for us to get mad about it happening to somebody else because I can project my anger into that situation Mm -hmm. like that. And Mm -hmm. I can like also erase myself from that situation. But I'm going to carry the fact that that was me that like this just happened to. It didn't physically happen to me, but I watched myself be touched by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. And I, how do you, because like when somebody touches me, like I, after it happens and like in these times, I'm like, yeah, like, like fucking wild out. Like, 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 no, like I just, I'm like, uh, like I don't say anything, you because know, it, you don't react because what do you do? Like get your fucking hands off. Like, cause you can't be mean either. Like, because what all am of a sudden I'm a troll. Right. And so, and then I'm thinking too, like when I'm reacting to witnessing it, um, one, I don't want to project my anger because it's like not technically, like it physically is not mine in this, in this circumstance. Um, and then two, like not everybody want, like if some, I don't want anybody to like escalate the situation, even right. though like I, that's my first thing when I'm witnessing it, like that's not what you want to ha- have right. happen. You just want it to have not happened in the first place. You it's know? like a bystander intervention training specifically for like queer oh people God. of color. Yes. Like how do we protect each oh other? Oh my God. Yes. Yo, somebody get the curriculum. God. Who do I need to call? Because I'm thinking about that safe zone training that KU has that only talks about white gay stuff. Right. And I I literally went through and I was like, so race? Um, Are we going to talk about intersectionality at any point? Or why isn't there a safety zone training, like, specifically about race? You know, I was like, so we only have this about sexuality and gender? And and you want to know why? It's because race is so visible. The fact Mm. that when it happens to us... It's so clearly, like, blatantly a problem mm-hmm. that people think that we're just going to react and do what they're supposed to do. Okay. And nobody does that. That's, that's, 
correct. But I'm like, but the thing that's is, the like, that's what it that, is. Yeah, that makes sense. That like it's so over that you would, of course, oh, yeah, something of course would you be would done stop. About but when yeah. it's subvert and like I'm trying to tell you it's over, and then a white person's like, well, they could have mended in a different way. Right. Fuck that. Like, no. Right. You There's know exactly another what they mean. Reason, yeah. You're being gaslighted is what's happening. Every damn day. Who? Let me not even get into gaslighting. Because that's also another mental like health thing. Because when I have to constantly question if I'm going to get a job or if I'm going to like have these friends or like if somebody's not dating me because of the color of my skin or like because of my queerness or like I'm I gaslight the fuck out of myself. The state gases gaslights you, you gaslight yourself, other people gaslight you. It's just yeah. Because you never know what's you real, what's know. not real, why things are happening, and nobody ever says anything. Nobody ever sees you either. Like, there's right. never a way. That's why um, people don't get why it's important that when, like, people of color say to each other, "We like, I see you. And people are like, well, what does that mean? It means I, I see you see because you. people don't see us and people don't see that I'm suffering. People don't see that white woman touch me. But when I say I saw that that happened, that's like, God, like, thank you. Like, I, I didn't make it up, you know? Right. God, yeah. Okay. Whew. You know what? We're just going to stop here. This is a here. lot. Yeah. We're just going to stop we here. Need to take we take a breath. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Community breath. I'm really into community yeah, breath. Yeah. Thank you, like, Jamila. Yeah. Oh, God. They're so good. Breathe I mean, in the roses. Blood candles. All right. Are we going to take a break? We're going to take a break. And then we're going to come back and we're just going to talk and gas you up. I just want to talk about you. Oh, okay. It's going to be good. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll prepare. Okay. okay. <laughs> See you in a minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm saving this forever. And we're back. So, Rachel. Yeah. Hi. Hi, how are you? I feel invited. Invited. I think that's the word I'm going to go with. Okay. I just feel like very seen again. Good. I don't know I'm what it is about like hanging out with you where I'm just kind of like. I think it's because we're kind of the same person in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Maybe it's like the Wichitonian. Are we Wichitonians? What are we okay, called? Okay, but I want to clarify that I'm not even. Which don't. Geography. Bleh. <laughs> that's what i have to say um but yeah i don't know i'm glad you feel seen though no i do feel seen how do you feel right now um very um i feel present in this moment but i can feel the outside world eking in and i'm thinking because the door opened in our break and so the world like came after the us. energies came in yeah. yeah um yeah that's how i feel that's present real. but anticipating okay yeah i like that mm-hmm. i like that a lot okay so we're talking about you. I I've heard. Yeah. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I just spring that on people. It's beautiful. Uh huh. So what are you looking forward to bringing to the table this month? Um, I think kind of my um complicated perspective on futurity. Um, Ooh, because okay. I think that in our conversations we've maybe sounded not hopeful mm-hmm. or you know just holistically exhausted. But I. I always want to try to bring back that we are still here, and even though it's hard as hell, um, we are still moving forward to something new. And in my like creative, like my poetry and things like that, um, I explore space and time a lot. And I just want to remind us that we can keep um, transcending and building new right. iterations of that as we're working towards liberation. I so, completely feel that. Yeah, that's real. Maybe that's what I'm bringing. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I am a Debbie Downer by default. I am actually, like, I was like, oh, Isaac, you're so, like, optimistic and joyful and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm pessimistic as fuck. <laughs> um, so it's actually really nice to, like, sit in a space and, like, complain and vent and talk about mm-hmm. all these things and then also being, like, hey, we fa- we had joy that one day, like, yeah. yesterday. And, like, going the to space Super itself, Mercedes. you feel right. seen, like, that, ha- that has value to it. It's so powerful. Yeah. I love yeah. it. But also, what are you looking forward to? In the semester, in life. I just want to know more about you and everything that you do. This has been a very busy year holistically. I feel like it's weird looking forward because we're kind of, or at least for me personally, Mm. a lot of the busyness is starting to peter out. There are less poets coming. Um, I'm doing less readings, uh, stuff like that. So life is um, getting less busy. Um, So 
Um, I'm looking forward to um, next week. I'm traveling to Washington, D.C. to present research mm-hmm. um, and go um, talk to some representatives about um, like True McNair funding, things like that. Yes. Yeah. So I'm excited to be in that kind of a space. Um, and I get to go to a lot of museums and stuff like that. Um, more broadly, I'm applying to graduate school this year. Um, so I'm just like getting myself together for that. Um, yeah. But like, I don't know. I don't know what the future is anymore. Um, it kind of comes in waves, you know, where it's all at once and then you like float for a while, like right now, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, as we're like getting ready for different things and then it's a future all at once again, you know, you know, yeah, it works itself out. Mm -hmm. It just, it'll figure itself out. It's like today I was like, oh my God, I need to apply for more jobs. I applied to be on the real world. (laughs) I mean, that's not even a you full, know, like, it's not a job, but, like, it, I applied for something. something. And you know what? The older I'm getting, the more I'm, like, I have a whole life. Like, that's weird. The older I'm getting, the more I'm, like, I have a lot of There's time. There's more things to do. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm, like, exploring different things. I'm trying to be my, like, quote, New Year's resolution. I have one. I, like, I don't believe in time, so, like, it's not, yeah. like, a New Year's. But just, like, something new that I've been working on for the past little bit is, like, monitoring my energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being cognizant and intentional with, like, what I'm expending my energy on um, and how my energy energy is manifesting. Um, so I'm trying to, like, look inwards um, yeah. because I've had to um, look outwards for so long and not examine how that's been affecting me as mm-hmm. I'm moving through the world and what my goals are to just thinking about like graduate school versus right. working versus 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 yeah um yeah yeah it's a I lot the inward outward thing is what I hope to be doing once I graduate mm-hmm. um so I feel that yeah I feel that a lot I'm just super excited for you I'm so happy you decided to expend some of your strong energy in, like, labor in this room, though. I'm glad that you invited me. I was very excited to be your co-host for this month. No, I was just like, who do I want to spend more time with? And then after, literally, let's talk about this. So our Mm -hmm. colors talk. Yeah. We sat and spoke (laughs) to each other for, like, into the early morning. Yeah, all night, yeah. About anything and everything and mm-hmm. just like these kind of conversations we're having now where yeah. it was like man it fucking sucks to be us but like how do we get past this yeah. and how are we going to work towards it and mm-hmm. it's been lovely yeah i just like love this happens all the time every time i go to like a new place mm-hmm. because military brat moving all the time mm-hmm. the like third and fourth year that i'm there are like the last year that i'm in. there i settle in and mm-hmm. i find the people that i should have had from the jump and i'm yeah. just like <sighs> and now i'm leaving I again and i'm just this, like yeah so it's going to be good. But I feel like, especially at this point in our lives, these connections are more permanent right. um, in a way. Because I've been thinking about that because I'm probably going to be moving out of state in the right. next year. Um, just like how deeply impacted I've been. You know, I say, you know, I have problems with Lawrence and KU, obviously. Bless but like this worst. place is so important because of so, a lot of the people that I've met. And I can't shake that i don't think anymore it's not mm-hmm. something you can just discard these are like deep-rooted um yeah communities that i've formed and that's that i agree like the third or fourth year because i'm my, uh, my junior year of undergrad um i definitely feel a lot more settled and comfortable i feel right. like this is a home in some ways um amongst my community at the very least mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah yeah it's like powerful i because i do this all the time i have always had to like make friends really really fucking fast mm-hmm. and then like set roots like as fast as I make the friends and then it ends up being like this very disjointed like we didn't have an actual fight and so therefore when I'm complaining to you about something and we get into our actual fight and then it's like like okay I'm going to give you this analogy it's really weird okay. just listen so <laughs> so my like this was on a Medea episode like not in a Medea <laughs> episode but it was in a Medea play uh-huh. and so somebody was talking about how like there's people who come into your lives and they're like all parts of a tree. So there's like leaves, there's branches, oh. there's like um, the tree trunk itself and uh-huh. lose the roots. And so my mom used to tell me that when I was younger or now even, I like to try and make like branches into roots. Oh, wow. Or I like to make That's leaves beautiful. into like roots because I try so hard to make as many friends as possible. And I call everybody my best friend knowing mm-hmm. good and well that not, not everybody's my best friend. Right. But like, that thing of like when you define that community you're like no I don't want to let go of it mm-hmm. and that's like been my biggest issue and I feel like since we're the same person yeah. high key yeah. and we have most of the same experiences and we reflect each other's lives to each other right. it's one of those things where it's like 
I need you to be a root and like this is where we're at. Yeah. So, but it happens few and far in between. What a beautiful like analogy metaphor. I'm really into analogies. Yeah. You try to make branches into roots. Did you know, fun fact, I'm in ethnobotany class. I'm sure that more people probably know this, but I had no idea. The way that you make fruit trees, specifically apple trees, um, is you graft them so you like okay. cut open um like a branch or a sapling rather um of a tree an apple tree and then uh, once it's grown a little bit and it's grown out th- from the from the division that's been made you put the other sapling onto it and then they become one tree mm. um and that's how we get our fr- or um our apple what are they the different like a pink lady versus like a gala you know okay. those kinds of, so like okay. our fruit or our apple varieties okay. ha- that's how that happens hmm. but yeah anyway just tree fact <laughs> i love that sorry <laughs> yeah um just fun fact okay. but yeah looking forward right so that means that johnny appleseed didn't actually probably i mean he's a legend anyway right i didn't think he was real I don't know if he's real or not, but regardless, he probably didn't just throw seeds on the ground as he was walking, and there were a bunch of apple trees. Myth best days with like, Rachel and Isaac. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's a folklore any, for like a legend anyway, but Beautiful. you know. Okay. Well, on that note, since we're gonna end <laughs> on Johnny Appleseed, who we don't know is real or not, thank you so much for today. Yeah, no this problem. This was so Thanks good. For the conversation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, as Black always, queer madness. Black queer madness is. Thanks for sitting at the table with us. Oh my gosh! Come on, uh, outro. You gotta oh. do it. I'm living. Well, I don't know the words. Like, is there a specific? No, thing? you just killed it. Oh that my was perfect. God. I need to start doing that. <laughs> like, okay. These are your, this is your host, Isaac, and your co-host, Rachel Atakpot. Thank you for joining us at The Table Podcast. Um, we look forward to sitting with you at our next something. Yeah. Chat, next chat. Next chat. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>